We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. There are still months to go until St. Louis Symphony Orchestra music director-designate Stefan Deneuve assumes the role permanently for the 2019-2020 season. But he'll appear at least four times between now and then, including this weekend. We talked to him a few months ago when his appointment was announced, and we sat down again yesterday. His feeling about coming to St. Louis hasn't changed. Well, Maestro, the last time we talked, you were very, very excited about coming to St. Louis. Uh, are you still impatient and excited? <laughs> Actually, I feel exactly the same because like last time indeed, um, I am here since a few days, but I didn't yet start the rehearsal and, and I can't wait to make music with the orchestra from tomorrow. But I'm meeting a lot of people. I'm meeting you, for instance, uh, working with auditions and new members of the orchestra. So it's all very, very exciting and uh, the sky is blue. And you're doing all of this while trying to fit other things into your schedule, too, because you're, you're busy all over the world. Yes, uh, it has been a very, very, very busy fall indeed. I just came directly from Berlin, where I had concert at mm -hmm. the Philharmonie. And then uh, right before I was in Philadelphia, where I'm still a principal guest um, this season. And, and, um, and then before that, I was also in Vienna uh, for three nights at the Musikverein, for instance, at the Concertgebouw. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was actually, not that I want to show off, but um, in less than a month, I've been visiting the Musikverein in Vienna, the Concertgebouw Amsterdam, and, uh, and the Philharmonie in Berlin were actually uh, great halls. And I'm very happy to say, really, that uh, the fourth hall of, in that category is Powell Hall. I just adore this place. Well, you're going to have a chance to experience it once again uh, a little later this week. Uh, and I'm, I'm intrigued by your theme because you're, th you're a Frenchman, of course, and the theme would be love. Why not? <laughs> Why not a bit of romance, Why indeed, not? with a French accent? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm actually uh, um, very pleased this season. I'm visiting the orchestra for four different programs as a music director designate. Mm -hmm. And uh, indeed, uh, I thought, well, look, I'm not married yet. You know, this musical marriage will happen uh, at the start of next season. And I thought how to build the momentum until then. And I thought, well, I'm maybe not married, but I'm definitely engaged. So let's indeed um, uh, build the romance together. And, and indeed, the, the four programs that I'm conducting this season are dedicated to love. And we start this uh, week with something uh, very intense, which is a kind of love at first sight, uh, exploring Romeo and Juliet, exploring uh, Tristan and Isolde, and uh, the fabulous Neruda songs uh, that I'm happy to speak more about, and, uh, and finishing with a poem of ecstasy. Mm -hmm. Well, all good uh, titles for the theme of love, no <laughs> question about it. Is it difficult to, when you pick a theme like this, is it difficult to find the, 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 uh, the, the programs you would like to play? Because there's, there are so many that relate to so many different things. I adore programming. I think it's a very important part of, uh, of, of my profession is to really imagine the music that would go well together, but mm -hmm. not really as a playlist, but uh, more as a journey. And 
in fact, um, I have to say I was very, very pleased that uh, I was able here to be very free and with our artistic director, Eric Finlay and Marilyn Bernard, uh, we, we had wonderful discussions um, about about the programming and, and, and I, I could feel free to program something quite unusual because... Um, some of um, uh, the pieces that we play are, are new to the orchestra, like the, the Neruda song, the Flibberson, uh, which is a, a piece from the 21st century. And I know that sometimes people react thinking, oh, it will be maybe difficult or dissonant or this kind of, you know, uh, feelings, and which, which are sometimes, unfortunately, associated to, a, to a recent music, modern music. And I would just like to say to everybody, this is incredibly beautiful, incredibly sensual, incredibly meaningful. It's um, very tonal, which means that uh, uh, it's full of great melodies and beautiful harmonies. And uh, it has a unique voice of today, but it's really an extremely romantic piece that people can grasp and can understand and enjoy from the first listening. So that's, uh, that's, that's what will be this uh, famous Neruda songs um, of Peter Lieberson. Give me some sense of what it's like when you sit down with the others you've just uh, mentioned from the, from the orchestra. Uh, what are those discussions like when you're planning a program like this? Well, it's a, it's a kind of jigsaw puzzle because you have uh, uh, first to have a concept and then see which are the encore pieces, so the, the main piece of the program, and see how you can build things. And so it's fascinating because we we uh, we just try to uh, to imagine um, what what piece could 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 be together. And and I'm listening to of course some proposals, and then we sometimes simulate, meaning we listen to uh, to to the piece following by this other piece, and we kind of see. You know what tonalities, what colors, what sound world. I always think that a, a piece of music is a bit like a, a little planet in itself. You know, which has its own density, its own atmosphere, its own color, and um, and 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 then you have to imagine if another planet can gravitate around this one. And it's um, it's an intellectual, intellectual actually um, exercise to try to. Uh, imagine, you know, a piece of music that exists only in time, you know, just uh, to imagine it as a kind of object and see if the, another object, another planet can go together. So, mm. and, and sometimes you, you come, out, come up with a very uh, creative answer. It's like, for instance, in this program uh, that we do, we have an excerpt from the Roman Juliet of Berlioz. And with an extremely interesting start, which is... And... This is actually the music that inspired Wagner to compose his Tristan Isolde, which mm -hmm. is da da di di. And so I love to make this parallel to uh, to have indeed these two different composers that that somehow express the same longing for for love uh, in a very similar way. And then I had the f the idea to um, play the prelude of Tristan with the poem of ecstasy of Scriabin without interruption, mm. and to, which is unusual, to try to yeah. make that as a kind of one piece together. A, a segue, of, uh, a musical segue, I guess, is one way to, you might put it. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If you were putting this program together for, for Paris, would it be the same program? No, 
Um, I don't think so, because indeed, when I was thinking of this program, I was thinking in a context and the context of my four weeks here and the context of also um, what has been played here, what has not been played here. And I always try to uh, bring, of course, music that has not been played often or that needs to come back and make some discoveries as well. So, uh, no, it's tailor-made, I would say. You really feel that uh, uh, you dream about the, 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 the institution that you are uh, working with and, and try to see what, what makes sense for that institution, also in the acoustic. That I have to say that I'm very sensitive to the instrument that we have, which is the acoustic. And so I, I really wanted to do a actually some Wagner, for instance, in this acoustic. I can't wait. Uh, along these lines, I've, I've often wondered, if you were performing Mozart in Vienna, um, would it be different than it would be if you performed Mozart anyplace else? Well, what would be different is the people playing, for sure. And uh, yeah. what is very interesting with music is, is um, there is often a travel in time with music. You can really uh, see how the music was meaningful in the time it was composed oh, yeah. and what you do today. And when you travel the world like I do, you realize that really orchestras are very different. Musicians mm. play very differently. And, uh, uh, and then it's a, it's, a very, it's a dialogue, basically, mm. between what the musicians offer you and what you imagine. And, and that from this dialogue, it's a relationship that, be, that something comes new and different. So definitely, uh, I, I, I try to accept always more uh, what the musicians put on the table, what they offer, and, uh, and that I think a way to be more creative is to, uh, to just really respect what is the culture of a place, of an institution, of a, of a language, etc. Because your audience in Vienna might be much more familiar with uh, that work, for instance, than the audience in St. Louis. That, that it's possible as well, indeed. That, but, you know, um, I am not thinking that way um, because, for me, music has to speak to everybody. And uh, for me, a masterwork exists when a masterwork can be pleasing a child, can be pleasing somebody with basically no musical culture, or at least no, no classical musical culture, but pleasing also somebody with very, very music fan lover, very knowledgeable, and people of any age. I think it's very important that you, uh, that you are able to, uh, to, to, to please everybody. So therefore, I, I, uh, I'm trying to uh, choose the pieces that can offer that, and I'm not really thinking of a particular audience. I uh, just try to serve, actually, the piece. How much latitude do you have in interpreting a masterpiece? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I had this discussion this morning uh, with our um, wonderful, by the way, concertmaster here, uh, David Helen. Actually, I, I said, you know, the prelude of Tristan and Isold uh, is, has been done often so slowly. And I said, definitely, I do want to have a certain flow and a desire that is burning so much that it indeed pushes the music forward. And I said, I am dreaming even to, uh, that's a bit technical, but even to actually not conduct this piece in six, which means a, a slow um, uh, pace, but actually in, a, um, uh, in two, which means much slower. It's, a, it's a, anyway a technical aspect, but, uh, and, uh, and, and it's really my choice to, uh, to, to go that far, but there is tradition and there is also the different layers of habits and what's the piece. And so it's sometimes difficult to feel 
entirely free, but I I try. I have uh, seen some uh, some wonderful conductors that um, that push the boundaries and try to question the piece sometimes against what the you know what the old habits are and um, uh, and so so it's it's a, it's a, once again it's a it's a struggle between uh, following a certain school and so following a certain history of tradition and trying to be considering each piece as something that at some point was new. You know, every piece we play at some point had, had been contemporary music, had been modern music for the time. Uh, I suppose it's very, very important to maintain the respect, too, for the person uh, who wrote the music. You you can't deviate very much, obviously. I would disagree in the sense that um, uh, what is fascinating with, with creation is that once it's created when it's composed it's like a boat going on the sea and uh, uh, really it can actually um, be very 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 different you sometimes people think that because it's written music is written mm-hmm. with rhythms and tempos that there is no freedom but it's fascinating actually it can be so different from one interpretation to another one orchestra one conductor to another so no, I think there is uh, infinite variations possible, and and I am certainly um, very open-minded about what people try to do uh, to have, you know, to offer something different. But at the same point, at the same same time, uh, as an as an artist, I really always think first about the composer. I love to work with living composer, and um, I always try to please their dreams. And so when I conduct a composer. Who is already dead? I'm afraid. I still try to imagine what would be my dialogue and how this composer would feel if I was doing something which is too too crazy compared to what is written. How have you grown? Uh, and I, I mean that by take Tristan and his old. Would if you were playing that ten years ago, how would it be different than it's going to be when you play it here? Well, I, I can speak about that because now, I mean, I'm 46 years old and uh, I've been conducting since, I mean, professionally since more than 25 years. And I did recordings now almost 20 years ago. And it's so strange to mm-hmm. listen to them for me. I, I do not listen to them, by the way. It's, uh, it's a bit like looking at a at a photo of yourself 20 years before. You just say, oh, my God, I looked so different. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, <laughs> the, the difference with the photo is that often when you see a photo, you prefer what you were 20 years before. Mm. Uh, but uh, with recording, it's almost always the opposite. You feel that um, you evolved and that you uh, you propose something quite quite different and often often better. So um, even if you don't want to, uh, you 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 conduct like you are, and as one change in life, you just do something different. So. I, I have to say, what changed maybe uh, in in my um, interpretation I noticed is that I, I tend to be more fluid now, and um, and to maybe let the music be more logic by itself, uh, to more respect the the kind of natural flow of the music, and uh, maybe I was uh, more trying to make my point and being more um, dogmatic earlier, and uh, now I I I tend to think that. Um, the truth is in the music itself. Yeah. In in playing with the symphonies in other parts of the world, in, in Belgium and in Scotland and in Vienna and in, and in Paris, how are they different? How are the orchestras different? Well, I think it it starts first by the different 
schools, um, the different uh, teachers and academies where people study, and and that has. Um, of course, a huge impact. Um, but you would say, okay, most of orchestra today have people t- from different countries. I mean, in in uh, in, in the, the orchestra in Brussels, for instance, there is 19 different nationalities. Yet, um, uh, an orchestra has such a slow renewal of people that it carries a DNA, it carries a certain type of sound from the beginning of the orchestra, and um, and that makes every orchestra an individual, like a human being, mm. which is different. And so you would be surprised how different it is. I think the language that people speak also mm. has a huge impact and the the mentality of the country uh, also influence very much the, the way people rehearse. Uh, I mean, it's for sure uh, there are some cliches which are right. Like in Italy, it's often very chaotic and very noisy rehearsal and people are sometimes very... Uh, you know, bloody in the sense of, um, uh, you know, they can erupt very easily. And then at the same time, there is a, a flair for lyricism. And, and and then you have also the, another cliche, which is quite true, is that the German orchestra have a sense of discipline and, uh, and the depth in the sound and the kind of heaviness sometimes, which seems fitting and also the the character of, um, of, of, of the German culture. It's... Um, and the French orchestras tend to be very colorful and very light and very transparent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but um, but what is fascinating is that in this country, in America, uh, there are many beautiful orchestras, and Saint Louis is definitely one of the top. And uh, and and each orchestra is quite different. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go not so far, listen to the Chicago Symphony or the Cincinnati Symphony, or extra uh, compared to the Saint Louis, it's a very very uh, different. Um, color and, and spirit, and, and, and that's magic to have indeed these differences. When are you coming back following this weekend's performance? I will be back, actually, at the beginning of, um, uh, of next year, 19, and um, uh, I'm very excited because then I will be there for two weeks, and, um, uh, and, and I will continue, indeed, uh, this um, uh, romance with the orchestra, and uh, we'll have one program with some Mozart and Brahms, uh, where we we will do some serenades and uh, promenading as well in the nature, thanks to the Second Symphony of Brahms. But we will have our uh, concertmaster playing the Lark Ascending of Owen Williams, and we'll have the which I love the singers from um, uh, the Saint Louis Symphony Chorus. Uh, part of them singing the very touching serenade to music of Owen Williams, and we we'll start with some Mozart and a kind of art music. And art music meaning actually serenade as well, a night serenade. And, um, and the week after that, it's a, it's a full Prokofiev concert with a uh, great Yefim Wolfman, the pianist, and the full chorus this time. So, uh, so the, the singing, actually, the Alexander Nevsky of Prokofiev. So my next visit, I will indeed uh, have the whole family reunited, the symphony and its chorus for uh, a strong uh, program. Something very much for us to look forward to. I want to thank you so much for being with us and enjoy your time here in St. Louis. Great to see you again. Thank you very much for having me. St. Louis Symphony Orchestra Music Director-designate Stefan Deneve. He'll be conducting the orchestra this Saturday and Sunday at Powell Hall. The concert is devoted to the subject of love. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.